Thank you for joining, guys. I appreciate you all joining. Like I said, we're talking fantasy football wide receiver tandems and duos uh, for the fantasy football season 2019. Uh, we're going to have the fantasy football show host, uh, Smitty, join us. He's also of sleeperu.com. So uh, really excited to get him on the show. We did a live video on his channel. Now we're returning that favor. We're doing a live show on our channel. Uh, really excited. Really like his stuff. You guys should give him a follow. Give him a listen. He's, he's definitely worth it. But we are live on YouTube. I am talking with Big Travi from the Fantasy Whispers, and we're going to go over wide receiver duos, right? Yeah, a couple duos and one one trio. Uh, some profitable ones, at least for the you know the standpoint of talent in that in that wide receiving core. And then we're going to break down a little bit and kind of see what we think uh, for 2019 based on ADP now, based on history. Um, so thanks again. Uh, you guys want to follow. Uh, the fantasy football show on Instagram at the fantasy football show. He's also got sleeper. You rocking and rolling there. Sleeper. You.com. You guys check that out. Got a lot of great content over there. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's dive in first. First things first. I want to talk to these Minnesota Vikings, the purple, the new age, purple people eaters. We're talking Adam Thielen. We're talking Stefan Diggs. You're looking at the top of this and you're going Thielen, right? Right now his ADP is higher. Uh, my ADPs will all be pulled from standard 12-team uh, leagues here. Uh, 3.03 is his uh, ADP at the moment. Um, and we look at these two, this tandem, they've actually been together now, the starters, for three years, uh, 2016 through 2018. And if you're looking at them side by side, I think the reason Thielen is going to continue to get the nod here is the durability factor, right? He hasn't missed a single game in his career where Diggs has turned around and missed six in that span. And so, um, and, and you look at the consistency on it, and you're, you're sitting there and you're going, I want a guy that's going to be in the lineup the entire time, right? And so I think that's where the, the ADP has, has got them at now, is they've, they've, they're edging out, uh, they have Thielen edging out Diggs. Um, so I just want to see your thoughts on, on Thielen right now. Well, I think this entire offense changed at the end of the last They're trying out their new, their new regime, their, their new uh, offense, and then their attack, and it's going to go – it's going to get all funneled through Dalvin Cook and the running game. We saw a shift in how they used Thielen for the year, and I think that's going to be kind of telling for, you know, performance that line ranks out. Uh, Diggs, on the other hand, was used a little bit more often down the stretch. 17 a touchdown in each one of those – believe i'm pulling up his stat line here um and he went two games prior without a td but had two games two, two, uh, before that so from a week 11 for a touchdown whereas i uh, thielen uh definitely tailed off a little bit uh he had a 70 yard game in week 14 19 yards in week 15 five catches for 80 yards in week 16 and then three catches for 30 yards in week 17 without any touchdown last four games i'm not saying that you can take that that line and extrapolate it and make that you know what we see in 2019 but i think it does show that changing their offense into a more run oriented offense which worked really well people rip on their offensive line saying that cook's not going to be able to get the touch cook, did, cook delivered down the stretch in 2018 and i just think we're going to see a lot more running which will cater a little bit toward i think the use of stefan Diggs, and i think that I buy Diggs before I buy him. And I, I can't myself, even though he's earned 
it's it's funny how disrespected he gets in fantasy rankings, but I can't spend even a third round pick on him, which means I probably won't own him. I can understand if somebody would be willing willing to spend a third round pick on him. I'm not calling that a bust type situation, but I probably just won't own Thielen in 2019, whereas I might own Diggs. Yeah, it's and you know what? I'm yeah, yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought it up, Smitty, because I was going to point right to it. You basically said it. You know, we look at that gap that Diggs closed because they ended the year with the same amount of touchdowns. And you saw Diggs explode in the second half, as you just said. And when did that kind of shift happen? Well, Cook's return was in week nine, so the back half of the year. So we saw that. They obviously fired Mike DiFilippo. Uh, they brought in Gary Kubiak here. So as you're saying, with Dalvin Cook, they want to get that zone scheme going. They want to run the ball. And I think we can kind of look at what happened at the end of last year and go, okay, this is what the Vikings want to do. Zimmer wants to do this. He's always been lowest in pass attempts. And I think he got pushed to the edge with Cousins and Filippo in throwing because that's the style that Cousins has always played. And right now I just think the gap between these guys, almost a near full round in a 12-team or a 10-team league, I'm, I'm okay with that because Diggs' value is so great there. I think he ends up the guy that's better, that has the better year. And I know we've been saying this for the last few years as a fantasy community, you know, digs over Thielen, digs over Thielen, but I actually buy into it the most this year. If anybody's going to fall out of those two into a ridiculous range, it's going to be Diggs. Diggs can yeah. easily gotten guy. No one's going to call anyone crazy by letting Diggs fall to the fifth round. But because people feel like they have to grab Thielen, they can't let Thielen fall. He's not going to fall too much further than ADP just by default. So I think that you wait and hope you get Diggs. If you don't get him at a good value, like top of the fifth, then maybe somebody else owns Diggs too. But I think you're probably just not going to own him unless you're willing to pay the price. Okay. But back to Dalvin Cook, what a monster Dalvin Cook is. I, I get the injury risk. I get the fact that people think, oh, you know, he screwed me before. I'm not going to invest in top pick. I'm not going to expect top five running back numbers. Well, you don't have to pay the price of a, of, of a top five running back. He has top five running back appeal but costs you an eight to like 22 overall pick. And they they, they eased him in a little bit. But starting in week 13, he had the 84 yards on the ground. Then he started to get double-digit carries in week 14 on. And he had 136 yards and two touchdowns rushed uh, in week 15. And he just looked the part. And the offense was using often run everything through him. And he is the kind of receiver that could get uh, the receiving back that could get you, you know, 80 receptions, 90 receptions in a season if he's healthy. And if he gets hurt and misses a couple games, he probably still earns you that top 18 overall value. And that's the most important thing I think people don't overlook when tag risk to his name is they talk about him as if he's, if they're talking about a guy they're investing top five and running back value in. If you're not, you're buying yeah. out, out, almost outside the top 10 for running backs. So, Risk and missed games is built into that ADP for you to earn your value back. If he does the game, you win a league. Yeah, no, and listen, your take, you've been beating that drum on Dalvin Cook all offseason, even before it, you know, it was really popular to do because I think that, that, that tide is shifting right now. So uh, props to you there. Um, but I think what's happening you know, at that end of the first round is what you can, you know, beginning of the second, what you can find yourself doing is kind of pairing him with one of these, you know, elite wide receivers and really making yourself a nice foundation after that one, two, like if you have the turn there, I'm loving pairing like an OBJ or a Julio with Dalvin cook. 
because you're turning around and you're looking at a, you know, a really strong foundation to build your team around. Um, but speaking of OBJ, let's jump to that Cleveland Browns receiving core. I want to talk a little bit about OBJ through you. I know you're a big Baker guy. Uh, we talked about it the last time we were together on the live show. I want to talk about these Cleveland Browns because right, right now I feel like OBJ is getting a lot of disrespect um, because of this so, quote-unquote uh, injury bug he's got. But if you actually look at it, you know, take out the freak injury from a, you know, uh, the year before last on his ankle. If you look at it, he's actually averaged 14 games a year. And that's, that's not a bad stat line uh, to be averaging those, that amount of games played in the NFL season. So, yes, you know, um, he's had some up and down times. But, I mean, wide receiver 19 last year was, was pretty bad with terrible Eli. Wide receiver 4, wide receiver 7, wide receiver 5 back in his rookie year, only playing 12 games. You're looking at a guy that is, you know, incredible when he gets the ball in his hands. Since entering the league, he's had the third most broken tackles. And now he gets to go to Cleveland, uh, Smitty, where he's going to be playing with Baker Mayfield. Baker was sixth in the NFL last year in average depth of target at 9.6 compared to Eli, who was 30th. So we're talking about a, a, a real upgrade. I know it's popular to say it's an upgrade, but it is an upgrade. Like we're looking at a guy that is playing better. The offense is better. And you're looking here going at this, you know, he's, he's paired with Jarvis Landry there. And so you're wondering, can this offense sustain two wide receivers to, you know, one in the top 10 we're looking at and maybe one in the top 15 to 20 range uh, in Landry. And, I, you know, I got to ask, is it going to be a team that's like Kansas City or like the Rams that sustain these kind of wide receivers? Well, I looked at it, and we're looking at plays of 20-plus yards last year, Smitty, and only the Rams and Chiefs had more than Cleveland. And that's remarkable to see without OBJ and with Kitchens only calling plays the later half of last year. Yeah, I mean – the bottom line for me is this. They're, if they're going to be a different offense. They're going to be, as you said, the Kansas City Chiefs of 2019. They're going to be one of the most aggressive passing attacks in the NFL. Then you mix in the genius move of getting on. I know he won't be available at the beginning of the year, but he's an amazing receiving back. They have David Njoku, who I think have 10, 8 to 10 TDs this year. Yes, there's a lot of mouths to feed. I know that. But tight end is a shallow position this year. So after you get past the Kittles, the Ertz, in the top, you know, four or five guys, you have open, an uh, open group of guys that any one of them can twenty or number six. They would have a player that could get a touchdown. And Joku is your guy. Um, so, I, do I think that Landry can have fourteen hundred yards and fourteen touchdowns? No, I think Landry will be the guy that gives you the respectable uh, amount of points that you were probably expecting before this trade happened. Um, or, but now that Odell's there, Odell is the one that gets you, I think, 14 to 54. He gets 1,400 yards. Um, and I think they spread the ball around a ton, but they're also upping So there will be enough balls to go around. And similar to how people thought Kareem Hunt wouldn't be last year after week one and week two, when they asked to spread the ball around, people were remember about Kareem Hunt's. Kareem Hunt was just fine. Um, Kelsey was just – everybody freaked out a little bit early on. And could that happen as they get their feet wet and start spreading that ball around and getting comfortable with each other? Sure. But I think that in the end, they're going to have so much aggressiveness going on offensively. There will be enough footballs to spread around to get everybody to the point they need. 
Yeah, and we have a comment in here. Why, bro, JC? Thanks for joining. He's got a question here. He says, "What? A, how about Callaway?" So just listing more weapons that they have there. Obviously, Antonio Callaway um, chilling over there in the wide receiving room as well. Yeah. I, you know, I like your point about Landry. He's not gonna he's not gonna wow you like before the OBJ trade. Um, that you're maybe interested in this offense and interested in his production. Last year, he had 137 targets. That was the ninth most in the NFL, and that only got him wide receiver 22. So he needed that many targets to get to wide receiver 22. I don't see him being, you know, much more than a top 15 to top 20 wide receiver at best. And so if he stays at his current ADP, um, it, it may be a little steep for him. And so for me, I think, I think you're right. I think OBJ is the guy that's going to eat. And these other guys could get touchdowns depending on what's going on. But it's Chubb and OBJ for me until Hunt gets back and then things may change. Hey, what a good move by, by the Browns. I mean, regardless taking fantasy out of the equation, like to get Hunt in there is genius. I mean, you got yeah. right or wrong of it. I'm not going to go there. But Chubb, to me, is a valuable guy. You can but the problem is guys like me are going to scoop up Hunt and where people are expecting to handcuff these two together. Hunt's going to be got it. Especially if you're in an auction and anybody can outbid you at any time. Uh, yeah. But for me, Hunt is the more valuable guy, and then I let, I tell, let someone else take Chubb too early. Um, not that I don't like him, but Chubb is an aggressive um, that I think abuse that will take a toll given his frame and his style of running. He's not as dynamic as Hunt in the receiving game. So I just think it's one of those situations where he's going to look great. Everyone's going to want to have a piece of the, the Nick Chubb train uh, to start the year. And it's going to be exciting. But I think for the year, if you're smart, you might look to laterally do a lateral trade into somebody that might be a punch safer um, or make sure you have Hunt handcuffed and should be good. But, uh, yeah, what a potent offense. Odell Beckham Jr., uh, if he stays healthy, He's going to be happy. He's with his best friend, Jarvis Landry. Um, if you think he's going to be you know, a locker room deep, I think you're mistaken because now he's going to be happy. To this is going to be some unit. be a lot of drama like the people are anticipating. And uh, I've got my Browns uh, uh, Super Bowl ticket uh, right here on the wall. Look at you. That, that puppy in. So I'm Yeah. Excited. Right on. Well, uh, speaking of some more hype train guys, I want to move it over to this Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiving core because Chris Godwin's getting a lot of hype here. And um, I just – I don't know if I'm taking it as too much disrespect to Mike Evans, me personally, but I just – I'm looking at the numbers here, and I want, I want to dive in a little bit, but I'll, uh, I'll turn it over to you first. We got Mike Evans' ADP at 2.10, Chris Godwin's ADP at 6.02, is there enough trust for you, Smitty, in Bruce Arians and Jameis Winston to get this thing right enough to sustain both these guys? Or do you think it's more of Mike Evans is your sure thing and right now ADP for Chris Godwin's just going to get too high? I, I like both. I like this entire offense. I think by, I, don't, I don't love Jameis Winston, and I, I don't want to own him in any leagues, but by default he's going to pretty healthy uh, top six to ten. So, I mean – the points in the offense will be there. They'll be very impressive as well. Throwing the ball down the field quite a bit. Have uh, Howard, um, Godwin, Evans, Gretchen moving all over the place. But Godwin's going to be – and I talked a lot about him months ago when he considered that he broke the 100 guys. I'm talking about. And that 
sucks because now his value is climbing into that range where, um, okay, if it gets any higher, that's about right. It's not, a, it's no longer a breakout or sleeper type potential with a ton of upside. And he's about slotted where he needs to be. Um, so if you're talking about this fifth round, that's, you know, I would say almost about where you want to stop, you know, yeah. especially late fifth round. That's about where, because he will get his, but I think that he's going to be more of the guy that, that, you know, he's going to be awesome throughout the year. But when you sprinkle in those games where he's being leaned on because Evans is banged up, um, then he starts dropping an occasional wide receiver one type number and stat line. Some total, the guy's going to end up with, you know, really good is at least low end wide receiver two numbers. So I love Godwin. Um, that's no disrespect to Evans. There's enough, I think, footballs to go around similar to Cleveland, similar to, as we talked about, Kansas City, it's just where there's enough mouse. There's a lot of mouse to feed, but enough footballs to go around. That offense go vertical and it's going to feed both those guys a lot of, of production. So, I mean, yeah. I, I can see that, especially if they didn't, you know, if, if this defense doesn't improve from last year, and it's not projecting to improve much, uh, and we saw what the formula was. Similar to Atlanta, uh, these defenses were so bad, their run games were so non-existent that they had to throw and throw and throw and throw, and that caused great numbers for fantasy purposes. For me, I, I, I'm going to stay with Evans. He's the only guy I can trust here, and I, and I only say this because I, I did a deep dive into Bruce Arians' numbers, and I knew everybody was saying he's aggressive and he, and he wanted to throw down the field, and that's his style. But if we look at the last five play, uh, years of him as a play caller, he's only seen three wide receiver ones, uh, finishes at the end of the year, and that was all by Larry Fitzgerald, where that team's true number one wide receiver. So I know they want to keep saying that Larry, the Larry Fitzgerald role is going to be Chris Godwin, I'm not seeing it. And then they talk about, okay, well, that's because Godwin will move into the slot. If you look at Jameis Winston targeting the slot, he only targets it five, 55% of the time, which is about 19th among qualified quarterbacks. So not exactly high up there as far as loving the slot. He does love his tight end. So I do like OJ Howard, as you mentioned. Um, well, Whose ADP, might I add, is climbing to almost a ridiculous place now, though, at yeah. fifth round. Um, it's like when they, we have these – when we have these uh, shortages at the position, like with tight end, you just yeah. see this, you know, the desperation creeping out through the ADP. I will say Odell, back to Odell Beckham Jr. real quick, that he, he is going, him and Mike Thomas somehow, some reason are falling into the second round, which is unreal to me. Um, both those guys are bargains at that is range. That, is that Mike, PPR or standard there, Smitty? Uh, PPR. And, um, and then you talk about Mike Evans being disrespected. In some cases, I have seen that. Um, but in some Cases I have seen that, um, but I also see him around 2.09, uh, which is about right because you have like Antonio Brown, who, who if he stays at 2.08, 2.07, I'm going to be pretty pretty happy about that myself. Um, Tyree Kill is above uh, Evans and Smith Schuster, so those are I think about it's about right where Evans belongs given the injury risk, given um, everything. But I think that's still respectable and not a place where you're I think taking on a ton of risk. So. We'll see where his ADP shakes out, but Evans looks about right, and then Chubb above him. Chubb is the guy that I'm worried about paying, overpaying for at that two. Yeah, especially especially with Hunt looming in the in the distance for sure. All right, so our last uh, grouping I wanted to talk about today, Smitty, was the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, you know, they consistently, when Cup was healthy, put out three wide receivers you could start for uh, most of the time. 
Uh, we look at the ADP right now, and these guys are kind of uh, butting up against each other. We got Brandon Cooks at 402 when I last looked, Robert Woods at 410, Cooper Cup at 411. Um, for me, I'll, you know, I'm getting a lot of this consensus talk that Brandon Cooks is your number one A, R Woods is your number one B, and Cup is C. And for me, I just don't see it. I don't see numbers. When Cup is on the field, that proved to me that Cup is not – the number one wide receiver for this offense. He has the connection with Goff. He had the longest, he, he had the uh, largest average depth of target. He was the wide receiver two in the five games prior to being injured in uh, week six against Denver. He had six touchdowns, 15.02 po points per game in standard. That would have made him the wide receiver two had that extrapolated on the, re the, S the rest of the year. I just don't see anything. I know Cooks got used well, and I know that they love Cooks, and he got used well in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. But for me, it's Cooper Cup here because of that relationship with Goff and because of his knowledge and ability to play all the wide receivers in that in that uh, in that offense. Yeah, um, I hear you there. I, I think this is going to be a cloudy situation going in. I don't know that I think everyone's going to continue to debate it. I don't think there's any clear cut answer either. We just kind of got to see where, how it shakes out. But my thinking is that Robert Woods, to me, is the proven guy here. Um, I think that Cooks definitely has some intrigue, you know, depending on where his ADP is. It sounds like you said their ADP is all about right lumped together. Yeah. Well, uh, Cooks is high. See, that's why I don't think I'll draft Cooks. What's Cooks at? Cooks is, Cooks is 402. And then Woods and Cup are back-to-back -back at 410, 411, last I checked. Okay. I show Cooks at a PPR about 46. So, yeah, it's 42 to 46. Um I'd rather buy Woods, especially, again, I think Cooks, just like my earlier example, Cooks is a guy like Thielen, I think, that people by default, by name recognition, won't let fall too far, whereas I think Woods is very, very doubted by a big chunk of people, and then yeah. he's got supporters. So, for me, the smart play here, because everything's about ADP, everything's about strategy, you got to have multiple strategies in fantasy football to jump to. You don't walk in with one set plan, and I think one plan that I have constantly going in my mind is that if Woods falls to a ridiculous value, I jump and change directions. So if he falls into like a fifth round value, you're talking about where Godwin is or where James White might be or Kendrick, uh, Kenyon Drake or Alshon Jeff Jeffrey. I'm really liking Robert Woods at that kind of value. So I don't take I'm really liking. If we're being honest, you're probably liking any Rams wide receiver at that value with those names around him, right? I mean. Right, right, which is, which is the bottom of the fifth. So once it gets yeah. towards the bottom. I mean, there are guys down there that I like more that are fall, like Calvin Ridley. I think at that late fifth or mid fifth round to late fifth is absolute steal. I think he's going to be in one calendar year. We're talking about him being the number one wide receiver in Atlanta in a top, you know, five. Wow. To 10. I think Calvin. That's a, hot, that's a hot take there, Smitty. Yeah, yeah. I have a few hot takes this year. He's definitely one of them. Um, yeah. I think we're going to watch. We're not going to watch, and, I, and I've made it pretty clear in a lot of my videos what I'm saying there. I think I was pretty articulate about how that could happen and when. But the common response is, you're crazy. Julio's going to beat him this year. And I'm like, I, I didn't say that he was necessarily <laughs> going to I'm saying one calendar year. We will right. We'll be talking about, yeah. So just to clarify that, uh, you know, in a different way. But I think Ridley is special, very special. And he has elite wide receiver, fantasy wide receiver one um, skill sets, and I, I just see it with him. You know, sometimes there's the eye test that, and the gut instinct in this, and that's kind of funny because, 
you know, I am very stat driven. I have a lot of stats incorporated in everything I do. But the biggest thing I do is bold predictions, and I land them after, uh, at a higher rate than most people. And I, I, I swing big, um, like my Kiel Harry prediction. I'm predicting the Kiel Harry within one to two years. And again, I get that same re reaction about people talking about this year. You're crazy. Rookies don't do very well. I'm not talking about this year. Uh, we'll see flashes of it. But in one to two years, we will be talking about him as a top one to four fantasy wide receiver in all of fantasy. Um, wow. Yeah, Ridley. That's not – hey, you got to be real with me, Spitty. That's not your homerism, is it? Is that peeking through right oh, now? With oh, Larry out there? absolutely not. You can look back my 15 years in this business, find an, uh, an ASU player ranked anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> fair. No. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and, yeah, so, you know, I am here in Arizona, but no. And look at my Cardinal rankings. I never have Cardinals. I, that's the one thing about me is I started playing in uh, – I, I don't know how, how old you are, but I probably started playing fantasy football uh, when you were in grade school, I imagine. But um, 1994, maybe you were – Yeah, even, I would have been in grade school, yeah. Okay. And and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 29, Smitty, so okay. just for the uh, record. 29. Uh, so I started playing 1994 – and that's when Troy Aikman and, uh, you know, Jerry Rice and, you know, Emmitt uh, Smith, well, I, I forget what year he, he started becoming a beast. Might have been later than that. But um, we're talking about Aikmans and Irvins, Michael Irvins and uh, Reed and Jim Kelly and stuff like that. And you, newspaper, you're writing everything out. In the yeah. But I started playing fantasy football as a fantasy football fan. I didn't have a – I wasn't really into the NFL yet, um, and I got – I absorbed and I loved it from the beginning. I was addicted to it. Um, but that's my advantage is I have no homerisms and I have no bias pulling me in any one direction. I think that's helped me a lot over the years because I don't get uh, rattled by any kind of homerism or, uh, you know, pull toward one one team or another. I am a fantasy football person at heart from the beginning. And, that's important, uh, yeah. man. But Nikhil yeah, Harry, like how, how, how non-bold this is going to look, though, one to two years because I have predictions about DeAndre Hopkins being the top one to similar, similar prediction. And he was in, he was in a worse ranked spot than Nikhil Harry walking into January of his rookie year. So January came out, everyone was ranking Hopkins at three, four, five in terms of all the wide receivers. He started to run like Nikhil. Nikhil Harry was not everyone's 1.01, you know, in January. And that's when I was running. He's the 1.0, you know, he's the best, player in this entire draft class and now everyone's like oh yeah no he's the best i'm not trying to pat myself in the background i'm just saying that mark my words you just said that that's bold you know that he's the top one to four wide receiver but looking back on deandre hopkins everyone's like it seemed very obvious probably you know and it wasn't DeAndre hopkins yeah was not the obvious. well i'm not so i'm not so taking you uh to the shop on on Nikhil harry i like his talent we'll have to see what system he gets into and everything like that yeah um but I, you know, the Calvin Ridley one, I do like Calvin Ridley's talent. I think he's special, but overcoming Julio in two years is a hot take or one calendar year, I should say, not this season, but the, the next season. Um, I think it's a bit of a hot take, but we have seen Julio. I mean, he's a big guy. Those bodies break down faster when they're that big. So I think it's very possible. And he's we got saw the, the touch, the touchdown upside alone that Ridley has last, last year. Yeah. So if you take a take that example for, for just one, piece of this argument you know Julio's had how many years and he's dominated he, Julio's been amazing he can't get in the end zone 
why can't he get in the end zone? He's such a big body. He has the opportunities to do it. It's not so much I blame it on the offense or Matt Ryan, but um, Ridley is going to surpass him in that area alone. And I think that, that Julio with the foot injury that is always on people's mind, you know, could he hurt, re-injure his foot? Um, he's just, you know, I think you, you watch a wide receiver. How old is, uh, let's pull up uh, his, when does he turn? Let's pull up his age here. Julio Jones is um, 30 years old, turning – so he'll turn 31 here next year, heading into the, the next year when I'm predicting this to kind of be the thing. Wide receivers start to typically drop off during their 32-age season, so I don't think it's that far off the plan of his drop-off. Anyways, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think I'm predicting a premature decline for Julio. I'm predicting a torch like we saw – with so many other wide receivers in, in fantasy football history, more so in the past when there was like, you know, Chris Carter and a Randy Moss and a right. um, receivers that kind of swapped, uh, you know, even, even if Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm not saying he would have passed Antonio Brown this year if Antonio Brown stayed in Pittsburgh. I'm not saying that. But if you would have said during his rookie year that he would all of a sudden be elevated to the wide receiver one spot, you know, you just don't see those things coming oftentimes. Uh, and I think that you yeah. know, we'll be looking with Ridley. I think Ridley's special. I just, I see it in him. And as I was talking about earlier, that gut instinct part is what's been so successful for me over the 15 years is the bold predictions. And, and sometimes you get just a little glimmer uh, and glimpse at a player just on the field, even. It's not even yeah. stat. Aaron Foster was probably my biggest thing that made me break out in the fantasy industry was Aaron Foster was a fourth and fifth round pick uh, during the year that he broke out and became like the number one running back. And I, I, I put him up as a top one to five running back on CBS Sports. It was NBC Sports Radio then, uh, and dropped that little nugget. And so this is my wheelhouse, and and yeah. I, and I get the sense with Ridley that we're going to see that. I'd love to reflect on that later, um, whether it's right or wrong. You know, I, I have made yeah. guesses. I'm not for sure. For sure. Um, well, I appreciate your time, Smitty. I love the show today. Uh, we'll get to talking about more topics for sure. I'm sure uh, we're just getting started. It's just April now. Um, go ahead and tell the Whisper Nation here where they can find you at and a little bit about Sleeper U. You can find me at thefantasyfootballshow.com, but probably more importantly um, for your fantasy football advice, you want to go to uh, sleeperu.com, and that's where you find the bold predictions and the bold thinking, the rankings, the drag-and-drop rankings. The um, I actually, uh, I believe, I you know, someone could have built one in their, you know, on a test site somewhere or whatever, but I actually in, I've vetted a lot of things in the fantasy football industry. I've been in it for a while. I'm kind of a dinosaur in the industry. People don't know that because I just launched the, the two brands here, fantasy football. The, the yeah, you don't look like a dinosaur, Smitty, so I think you got him there. I appreciate that. But yeah. uh, people realize that, like, I invented the first mock draft simulator in the fantasy football industry, um, at least on a grand scale. There might be, like I said, been somebody testing one on a, you know, small WordPress blog or something like that. But uh, on a big site, medium-sized site, that uh, had the first mock draft simulator and you can enter in keepers and do all that stuff. The first trade calculator is something that I also came up with. And I broke into the fantasy football industry in 2004 slash five because I sat there and I'm like, why aren't there people with, and this is before dinosaur big. I sat there going, why don't people, why don't people have rankings like the day after the Super Bowl?" And all my buddies thought it was crazy. They, they hated being in leagues with me because I'm like, Hey, let's draft now. Let's do the pick order now. And it was like the day after the Super Bowl. They're like, you're crazy. It's not even August yet. And I 
I still get a lot of that pushback when I talk to people, even this, where I'm saying, hey, let's talk about sleepers. And they're like, it's August. So many things are going to change between now and August. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, yeah. we're fiction business, buddy. Like, well, well, and that's the other thing. It's like you can just refine your your take. It doesn't mean it changes. It just means it gets better. You, more knowledge right. is power. Like, you just get more knowledge yeah. towards this. Um, so, yeah, I Look, yeah. I love what you're doing over there at Sleeper U, Smitty. I love the bold predictions. I love what you got going on. I'm really interested in some, you know, maybe collab mock drafts coming up. Uh, so if that's a possibility, let me know. Um, Look for uh, an upcoming video here shortly uh, about that kind of topic. And, and then, yes, we'll circle back and do some of that. So cool. I got cool. a pretty exciting uh, new new little spin on all that. So, uh, right for, yeah, everyone can find me on Instagram at The Fantasy Football Show. Um, and at youtube.com slash the fantasy football show. And then of course, sleeperu.com and the fantasy football show.com. And for everybody on YouTube, make sure you follow uh, the fantasy whispers at the fantasy whispers um, on Instagram. And then is that your, your YouTube handle as well? Yeah. If you search uh, at the, the fantasy whispers, that's us. Uh, I think it's yeah. yeah at the fantasy whispers on YouTube. You get us there. And of course, Instagram. Uh, on YouTube, guys, for those of you watching on YouTube. I'm going to let the YouTube uh, live stream roll for a little bit. So, yeah, we'll disconnect here, and I appreciate you. Or yeah. Me, so this time, we you jumped on mine last time. I'm jumping on yours. We'll switch. And yeah, keep... anytime, man. It's always a pleasure, and you got you got great knowledge. We love talking with you, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Have a good one. Thanks, man. So that was uh, Smitty from the Fantasy Football Show. We want to thank him again. You can find him at the Fantasy Football Show on Instagram. Guys, if you guys want more of this stuff, hit us up in the DMs. Let us know how we can collab. And as always, subscribe to us on YouTube. Link is in the bio, at The Fantasy Whispers. Love you all. Big Travi, I'm out. Peace.